That's another thing I want to do is just lend real life voices to this idea of conception and pregnancy and birth and motherhood and all of the difficult and wonderful stages that go along with it. So women can have real life examples and realize I can do this. I can be a mom any way I want to. And as long as it works for me and my family, I'm doing it right. Welcome to the Whole Mamas Podcast. What? That's right. Last week I mentioned we had one final secret. Well, today is the day we finally share the big news, what we've been working on for so long. The Real Food Mamas Podcast will now be known as the Whole Mamas Podcast. We're partnering with the Whole30's new platform for mamas and mamas to be Whole Mamas. Instead of bi-weekly podcasts, we'll now be offering weekly podcasts. We've also listened to your requests, things that you love about the podcast and things you'd like seeing cut out. We're ready to serve you with the best tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we've got you covered. I'll quickly introduce myself, my co-host, and our incredible guest, and then we'll dive into the good stuff. I'm Stephanie Gorinke, a registered dietitian and program manager for Whole Mamas. My co-host, Dr. Ilana Rommel, is a pediatric naturopathic doctor and the founder of Nourish Medical Center. And today, we're so excited to bring on Melissa Hartwig, co-creator of the original Whole30 program and four-time New York Times bestselling author to the show. Melissa, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here as a first guest on our newly rebranded podcast. Hi, Stephanie. I'm really honored. And I feel like we're going to forget that this is a podcast and it's just going to feel like a catch-up conversation. (laughs) I know. I know. And one that we haven't had, surprisingly. We've been friends for so long and we haven't touched on this. So I'm excited to hear it as a friend and as a listener and to share your story because you are just so inspirational. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we ha- you know, we've talked about bits and pieces, but we've never actually sat down to like share some of our stories. So I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, our stories and our questions that we had was part of the main reason we created Healthy Mom Happy Baby in the first place, right? We realized that if we were having these questions and we were pretty well educated on all things nutrition and wellness, that there had to be other people that were out there that needed that information in just one convenient location that wasn't fear-mongering, wasn't judgmental, just gave the facts and let them decide what they wanted to do with it. That's exactly right. I went through a lot of my pregnancy feeling like I wasn't sure of what the right thing to do was and wanting to make sure I was perfect. And and I was coming from a really good place of like health and knowledge. And I had access to a lot of great resources and medical doctors. And I figured if I was this confused and this like anxious about my pregnancy, which should be this time of such joy and happiness, that obviously everyone else was probably feeling this way too. Right, right. And it's not just during pregnancy. It's while you're trying to conceive and after you have the baby. And even when your baby is a teenager, there's still so many questions and so many ways that you doubt yourself and don't trust your instincts. And that's what we are trying to address with Whole Mamas. So we're going to be talking about that today and lots of other important things, your story and where we're going with Whole Mamas on the show. Yes, I can't wait. Okay, well, we always start the show with a quick self-care check-in. We share what we're currently doing to nourish ourselves. It could be maybe the healthy breakfast we ate or the relaxing yoga class we did, the walk outside during our lunch break, or maybe a mind-right meditation session after a tough workout. So before we talk about all things whole mamas and learn more about your story, what did you do or what are you going to do today to nourish yourself? So my morning routine is kind of legendary in that I stick to it no matter what. It is the most important part of my day, and it's been established in its entirety for probably the last like six or seven years. So, But this morning was a little bit different. So this morning I woke up. I usually wake up without an alarm between 6.30 and 7, like every single day, usually actually closer to 6 these days. And I woke up at 7. And I was still a little bit tired. And I decided instead of getting into the gym and kind of starting my day as planned, I was going to go back to sleep. And I went back to sleep for an extra hour. And it was like the best hour of my life. I slept so well and I woke up feeling totally refreshed. And I knew it meant that I was going to have to cut my gym time short, but it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. So I gave myself the grace to sleep an extra hour. I went to the gym. I did a really easy, fun workout. I didn't work too hard. You know, I've been so 
crazy traveling around for a bunch of work. I've done a bunch of events. I'm very energetically drained and I don't have capacity to work really hard in the gym. So I gave myself permission to take it easy. And I did some really good fun movements and I talked to some friends at the gym and had some good like social experience and just kind of took it easy. And that was my self-care this morning. It was a little extra sleep, you know, taking it easy at the gym. I did my mind right meditation, which helped me feel kind of centered and grounded. And that's how I started my day, which was basically perfect. Oh, that sounds beautiful. You know, one of the things that I took away from your seminar, I think it was back in like 2009 or 2010 when I attended one of them, when you talked about the Whole30, you mentioned that if you don't get at least, I think it was like seven hours of sleep, correct me if I'm wrong, then you don't push it in the gym the next day, or maybe you don't even go to the gym the next day because sleep takes priority over training, especially heavy training. And I will never forget that. That helped me so much when I was pushing myself way too hard at the gym and so much so that my hormones became totally out of balance. And so thank you for sharing that gem with me. Yeah. Sleep always takes priority over hard training. Always. Unless you're getting paid to exercise, which very few of us are. If you have the opportunity to get an extra hour of sleep, especially if you are pregnant or a new mama or a mama dealing with kind of a change, like your kid going to school or the addition of another baby, like you've got a lot going on. Giving yourself permission to sleep is always at the top of your health hierarchy. Oh, so let me ask you that then. How did your workouts change when you were newly postpartum? So I ended up having a C-section, which we will talk about. It was not planned, but I ended up having an emergency C-section. So my recovery was very different than I imagined. I was very healthy and fit going into my pregnancy, and I assumed I would would just like bounce right back. But a C-section is aggressive. And I mean, I couldn't even sit up on the couch for a really long time. So I followed my doctor's orders. I didn't do any exercise minus like walking and some really basic stuff. And I ended up easing back into it so much more slowly than I imagined. And again, I just told myself, you know what? It's going to come back eventually. It's going to take time. I just pushed a human out of my uterus. So -hmm. that's kind of a lot of work. I'm nursing. I'm not getting a lot of sleep. Like I was very conscientious of the fact that I had very little recovery capacity. So my workouts, and I'm putting them in quotey fingers, reflected that. A lot of days I just went for a walk. I took the kid, strapped him on, went for a walk around the park, and that was it. That was all I did. But that was all I had capacity to do. And my philosophy was that I'm growing a tiny human right now and letting my body kind of recover and and heal. And that was my primary job, not getting back to being able to do pull-ups or deadlifts. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I really wanted our listeners to hear that because some of them may look up to you and see, you know, you've always been really fit and really strong and you prioritize fitness in your life. And to see that somebody like you, and, you know, I personally did this too, just took a step back and realized that postpartum is a time for healing. And there is always going to be another season where you can get back into the gym and start doing the things that you do. But in order to be able to get to that place where you can start pushing again, you need to give yourself that healing season. And you did that so well. Completely. And I mean, the last thing you want to do is add more stress to your life Mm -hmm. as a new mom, Mm -hmm. because you're already stressed. You're emotionally stressed. You're physically exhausted. You know, your, your sleep schedule is all off. You've been, you know, depleted of a whole bunch of nutrients because all your good stuff went to your baby as it should. Um, the last thing you want to do is put more psychological and physical stress on yourself by trying to get your pre-baby bod back or get back to a place of like gym goals too quickly. Yeah. Yep. And that's so much what we're going to be addressing in you know, the next couple of years with whole mamas is how can you nourish yourself as a mom in the postpartum period? Because there's a yeah. lot of talk about like how to keep your baby healthy and what you can do for baby, but there's not a whole lot that centers on mom and mom's mental and physical health. And I really want us to address that. And I'm so excited that we finally have the opportunity to. And I'm really glad that you are because I didn't feel like I had a community when I was going through this postpartum. I didn't didn't have anyone to talk about my emergency C-section and how it made me feel and what it was like being in this like very public spotlight, having just had a baby and, you know, feeling like I had to sort of emulate this post- pregnancy like perfection when like, as you know, now my life was like kind of falling apart right after baby. Like I didn't have a community to go to. And I wish I had, because I think it would have made an enormous difference. And it's a huge part of what we're trying to do with whole mamas is give people a really safe, nourishing, welcoming place to go for some of this hard stuff. Because having a baby is not all like rainbows and sunshine and joy. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some hard parts. And then the community too, it's, there's one aspect that a community is really important, but then having the right type of community and having friends that aren't making you feel wrong or bad for your choices and are open-minded and, you know, being able to feel empowered in your choices and to feel comfortable and confident as a mom is something that we really want to create in our community. Yes. And I was not, I did not feel competent. (laughs) I did not feel again, you look at it now and you're like, oh, she seems to have her stuff together. But like when my baby was first born, it was a hot mess for a really long time. Yeah. And you're almost embarrassed to ask the questions, right? Cause it's like, well, I feel like I should know this, but you've never been a parent before. No. It's like starting a new job and you have no idea what you're doing. And the stakes are so high because it's a human and it's, you know, something that you may have been dreaming about your entire life or work so hard for, or, you know, undergone fertility treatments. And like, finally this baby's here and you're not given a manual to go with it. And yeah. so you're just kind of, you're kind of confused. And then there's just so many books that are out there that are conflicting. Yes, exactly. I read them all. (laughs) Yes, me too, especially the ones on sleep. (laughs) Yes, yes. So you kind of went into it a little bit of like why you decided to branch Whole30 out into supporting moms with the new resource Whole Mamas. But was there anything else? Was it your personal experience not having that community or what other reasons, what made you decide to create Whole Mamas? I mean, I think that was a really big part of it was going through the process of being pregnant, birthing a baby, having a newborn baby and realizing that if I was really confused and felt really alone in this, that I wasn't certainly wasn't the only one. Mm -hmm. So that I think was a, a really big part. The other thing is I have watched how people grow and blossom and like get accountability and support and resources through the Whole30 community around food, which is such a really big foundational part of big picture health and wellness. And, you know, pregnancy and motherhood is a huge stage in someone's life. And I thought, what if we could apply the same concept, the same kind of welcoming, supportive community led by people who weren't afraid to be really open and vulnerable about the good parts and the hard parts? Like, what would that do? How how freeing would it be for someone to see this example of this like community being led by people who aren't afraid to talk about their fears and their insecurities and their concerns and share the good stuff, but also talk about the bad stuff. And that's something that's been missing in the pregnancy and motherhood communities that I've seen is, you know, the, all the like discussions, all the like negative discussions are happening behind the scenes in the forums where it's one mom talking to another mom and there's a lot of fear and uncertainty. And like, they tend to only, you only hear the bad stuff in the forums because when things are going well, people don't really think about jumping on a forum and saying, Hey, everything's going great, but you're not what you're seeing at the big picture level with like the blogs and the social media are just all of the like smiles and the joy and the pink and blue and the giggles and the laughter. And like, what if we just made it a little bit more real, you know, not the scary mommy stuff, which is fun to read once in a while, you know, the real life, very sarcastic and dry kind of accounts of motherhood. Like that's fun to read. It's good, lighthearted comedy relief. But like, what if we just had something that was in the middle, something that reflected kind of the way it actually is a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, a whole lot of scary, a whole lot of triumph. And like, what if we just put it out there in a way that encouraged people to do the same? Yeah. And the community that you've built with the Whole30, they're by far some of the most incredible people that I've ever met. And they're so supportive. I was a little bit concerned once we created Healthy Mama Happy Baby about the private Facebook group, you know, how moms were going to comment on other moms' posts that were very controversial, like sleep training and vaccinations. And I thought I was going to have to do a lot more work kind of moderating that. But the comments that we've been getting from other moms is like, you know, here's what I did and here's what worked for us. And this is why we decided to go that route. But you ultimately have to make the best decision for your family. And it's that is like how it circles around with all of these topics. It's like, okay, I can share what I did, but I can't push anything on you because your context is completely different. Yeah. And that's what I love. And I think with whole mom is what we want to do too, is to bring in experts, to bring in pediatricians and lactation consultants and doctors and, you know, OBGYNs and doulas and Whole30 coaches. And also 
share some of those real life experiences from moms on a diversity of topics, you know, with foster parenting and special needs children and adoption and things that maybe aren't talked about in the mainstream, but are still so important. And there's so many moms out there that need support. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So what kind of challenges are you seeing moms experiencing that you want to support them through with Whole Mamas? Maybe some things that aren't typically discussed on platforms. I think obviously the topic of postpartum mental health is huge. I think our definition of postpartum depression is very much changing and expanding Mm -hmm. as it should. I think I used to think of postpartum depression as like, oh, it's this weird thing that once in a while a mom will just like really develop some kind of psychotic break and be completely unable to get off the couch and and then a couple of weeks later, her hormones will shift and everything will be back to normal. I had a very kind of vague and inaccurate idea of what that was like until I experienced it myself around the four-month mark. Hmm. And I actually had to talk to a psychiatrist friend of mine to say, I don't know what's happening to me. And she was like, this is postpartum depression. And I was like, what? I mean, I'm still functioning. I'm still taking care of my baby. I'm not having any terrible, negative, hurtful thoughts. I'm still able to get out and do my job. But but it was this underlying just feeling that like something wasn't right and why wasn't I enjoying this more and why was I so kind of unhappy when everything in my life was going so well and so I think that's a huge topic that needs discussion from a very frank and vulnerable standpoint that so many women experience this to so many varying degrees and there's nothing wrong with you and you're not alone and keeping this like hidden and in the dark I think is the worst thing you can do we need a safe space to share it and and other stories to be able to relate to. And I didn't have that when I gave birth like five and a half years ago. So that's one area in particular that I'm really excited to see us tackling in a really big way. I also think that there's a huge opportunity for, as you just alluded to, there are a million different ways to skin this cat. Like mm-hmm. there's no one sleep philosophy that works. There's no one parenting philosophy, communication philosophy, work-life balance. There's no one co-parenting philosophy that works. You have to figure out what works for you. But until you're seeing, until someone shows you an example, hey, this is what works for me. And you can say, oh my gosh, I never would have thought to do it that way, but that's really cool. I think providing all of these real life stories and testimonials from people and women saying, this is what I did and this is what worked for me, it gives people this really awesome roadmap and and it has expanded my view of what I can do in motherhood. Like for example, co-parenting. We originally had this schedule where like I got up every single night to feed the baby and and my husband, the my baby's father never got up at night ever. And it didn't occur to me that you didn't have to split the duties 50-50 until I heard another mom friend say, "Yeah, we do it that way because during the day when I'm exhausted, he's handling the laundry." And the grocery shopping and like making the big decisions because I'm really tired. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's, that actually could work for us. I think that could work really well. But until I heard that, it never occurred to me that there was any way to co-parent except 50-50. I get up the first time the baby wakes up and he gets up the second time. So that's another thing I want to do is just lend real life voices to this idea of conception and pregnancy and birth and motherhood and all of the difficult and wonderful stages that go along with it. So women can have real life examples and realize I can do this. I can be a mom any way I want to. And as long as it works for me and my family, I'm doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately the goal is taking what parts or pieces of advice that you resonate with and running with them and then leaving the rest, right? Because you're inundated with so many different ways that you can do it, but you know, in your heart of heart, what feels best for you. Yeah. And you know, because our community is so wide and vast and diverse and because women are feeling so supported that they can speak up and say, well, I'm, actually, I'm doing it differently. Here's how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. We're really giving everyone who joins our community this enormous, vast body of resources from which to pull. It's not just like, here are three books on sleep training. It's here are 57 different moms in this one thread talking about what they're doing with their kid for sleep. And it just expands your consciousness as to what is available to you as a new mom. Yeah. One thing that you said that I think a lot of people can resonate with is, you know, when you're in the thick of it, when you are sleep deprived and, you know, sometimes undernourished because you're just eating what's Mm -hmm. quick, you can't 
always see what's right in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you just read it on a thread, you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? You're just in yes. the thick of it. Or like what you're talking about with your postpartum depression, you just, you hear that it's one way and you can't really, you know, we can't be our own doctors sometimes too. But like, if you were to read somebody else talk about their experience and then, well, no, that's actually a sign of postpartum depression or anxiety yeah. or OCD, you can actually be a little bit more confronted with it and take action. Yes, exactly. So you talked about your postpartum. I want to hear a little bit more about that, but um, let's start with pregnancy. So what was your pregnancy like? Did you experience morning sickness? How did you navigate that? I want to hear the details. My pregnancy was really easy as far as pregnancies go. I found out I was pregnant right after booking a six-week trip through like Europe. We started in Iceland and ended in Istanbul over six weeks. And I realized that I was going to be in my first trimester through this whole trip. And I just basically was like, please do not let me vomit my way through this like magical trip in Europe. Like, please don't let me, you know, barf my way through Iceland. And I ended up having some like morning sickness and food aversions, but I never threw up. Um, It passed after the first trimester. My energy came back. Like everything was really normal. I didn't have a lot of this. I mean, I got really lucky. I didn't have a lot of the symptoms. I never had heartburn. I didn't have major like foot swelling. It was a really, really easy pregnancy right up through kind of the end when it all kind of went sideways. But pregnancy-wise, it was pretty easy. I never had that like, I never loved being pregnant like some other moms did. It wasn't like this super happy time where I felt like I was glowing and I was like awash and, you know, motherly joy. Like (laughs) I didn't, I didn't really like, it was an easy pregnancy, but I didn't like being pregnant. I kept, I kind of referred to my baby as like the alien. (laughs) Because it was like my body was not my own and that was really uncomfortable for me. It was like hard for me to handle. So, you know, that's another thing that I I like hearing as other stories from moms who were like, yeah, you know, I didn't actually love being pregnant. It's not that it was hard or it's not that it was like especially difficult, but it was weird to give up total control of my body to something else. Yeah, no, that's totally understandable. And I think that's the same thing with, you know, motherhood is like sometimes you don't feel that magic right after your baby's born. You think like, well, something must be wrong with me. But it's just the way that you're experiencing it. And everybody experiences pregnancy and postpartum and motherhood so differently. Yeah, So I love that you shared that. So what happened at the end then? You said things kind of took a turn. Yeah, I had an entire natural birth planned. So we were at, I was at a birthing center. I had a midwife. I had a doula. We were set up to do a water birth. I didn't even have like an OBGYN because everything, every single one of my checkups with them was like on the, you know, so super healthy. Like I was the gold star pregnancy, perfectly healthy pregnant lady. Mm-hmm. But then I wasn't towards the end of my pregnancy, like right around 30, 30, you know, they measure you every week and I wasn't getting bigger and I wasn't gaining weight. And they were like a little bit concerned with that, but I was like, well, you know, I've been pretty active and I was pretty lean going into my pregnancy. So I started eating a lot more. Like, you know, I started incorporating like some protein shakes and like really just trying to get my calories in and I still wasn't getting bigger. So around 36 or 37 weeks, they sent me into the hospital to do an ultrasound. So I went in for the ultrasound. I ended up not leaving. I ended up giving birth to my baby during this like routine ultrasound visit during the ultrasound, they realized I didn't have a lot of amniotic fluid. You're supposed to be somewhere like around 25 or 27. And I was at like two. It was very, very low. And they were detecting some stress in the fetal heartbeat. So they were like, we're going to keep you here for observation, but there's a really good chance that you're not going to be able to deliver this baby naturally. Like there is enough kind of stress and enough concern in what's going on that there's a really good chance that a natural birth would be too stressful for him. And this is the first moment that I had to reconcile myself to the idea that I wasn't going to have this perfectly natural, you know, I had been taking hypnobirthing classes and like I had a really short period of time to have a come to Jesus to realize that like my perfect birth plan was totally out the window at this point. And that was really stressful because who was I if I wasn't like the strong, healthy, fit mom who gave birth naturally, right? Yeah. I had all of maybe 10 minutes before they stuck me in a room on a fetal heart monitor to realize that like my birth plan was totally out the window. But I was at the hospital, luckily, and they put me on the stress monitor and they were measuring his heartbeat. And, you know, long story short, in the middle of one of these I was having Braxton Hicks and every time I did, his heart rate would kind of tank and then come back up and you're listening to it on the monitor, like, and I had a contraction and his heart rate didn't come back and it was very slow. And in that moment, they were like, go. 
and I don't remember anything. They wheeled me into the OR. Within two minutes, I was under, completely under. So I didn't even have an epidural. Like they put me under, I was out. And when I woke up, I had a baby. So it was fast. It was incredibly stressful. It was like a true emergency situation. He was born early. He was born small. Thank God he was healthy. He never had to go to NICU. I was able to nurse almost right away. Like all things considered, it was the best possible outcome. And I'm so grateful for, you know, we, I think very often in this natural birthing space, we talk about how like, oh, hospitals can just, they do it wrong and they, you know, Mm C-sections and, and all of these modern medicine is like the devil, but like, thank God for modern medicine and C-sections and doctors and modern technology, because they literally saved the life of my baby. So, you know, that was my birth process. It was nothing like I imagined. And a C-section was not in my plan. And the idea of like missing the birthing experience, like I went to sleep and I woke up and I had a baby. And I remember like coming home and I remember asking his dad, like, you know, I was on a bunch of pain meds, which I tried to get off as quickly as I could. I had this new child. And I remember saying like, are we, are you sure that that's my baby? Because I didn't have any of the connection that a mom would have during a natural birthing process. I didn't feel it. I didn't watch the baby come out. I didn't get to hold it right away. Like it really was emotionally very hard to process for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, it can take it can take years and sometimes you know, it's still very very hard when your kid is an adult and they have a baby of their own to really process everything. So yeah, what what are some of the things that you did to help process that? Did you work with somebody? Did you do things yourself? Like to just really be able to understand what happened and give yourself grace and you know, I didn't do a lot to process it in the first like 4 weeks because mm-hmm. I was recovering from a right. C-section and trying to take care of the baby at the same time. And again, thank God he was healthy, but he was still really small and you know, he needed a little bit of special care, just a special care in terms of like, I needed to make sure I was feeding him very often. And we were taking him in for more regular checkups to make sure he was gaining weight appropriately and stuff. But, but, you know, I remember talking to my sister about it and, and really expressing this like anger and resentment. I was very resentful of whatever factors got, went into the fact that like I was robbed of this birth process. And at this point, my marriage wasn't doing really well. I knew I wasn't going to have another baby, at least not with this man. And I I kind of thought this was my only opportunity at motherhood to have this journey. And I missed out on it. And I was mad about it. And I was resentful. And I was sad. I like grieve. And this is, sounds so dumb because I had a happy, healthy baby. But I was like grieving the fact that I didn't have the experience the way that I wanted it. And I don't want to sound ungrateful because believe me, I'm not. I'm so happy that my baby was born and happy and healthy and and all of that but but it wasn't easy and i don't know of a lot of other moms who've talked about this post c section this idea that like you missed out on the experience that you wanted and like it it's it was hard and it was sad yeah no i don't think that's dumb at all and i know a lot of other moms have experienced that or are currently experiencing that and i think it helps them to hear that they're not alone and that they're not wrong for feeling that way because yeah. it, it didn't turn out as you wanted and it can be a huge hit and it, it doesn't mean anything about you it doesn't mean that you're not a good mom or like but it's a hard way to start right when your expectations and your reality are totally different i also had a lot of guilt mm-hmm. around this like what mm-hmm. was wrong. I had done everything right. What did I do wrong? You know, what else could I have done? Because I stole this opportunity from my baby. I stole the good bacteria that come to populate his gut through a vaginal birth. And I stole the opportunity of that like immediate skin to skin contact because I wasn't the first person to hold my baby. And I felt a lot of guilt for not giving my son the best possible chance at life that he could. And I realized that it's not my fault. And I realized that there's nothing I could have done. And like, if it were another mom expressing this to me, I would have, of course, reassured her. But like, I felt like I should have done more or could have done more. And that was a really hard thing to come to grips with. Yeah, I can, I can totally imagine that. And it's hard, like, you know, we were talking about before to 
think logically about it when the emotions are so intense. And now, you know, you can talk about it and you can explain that there's so many different ways that you can populate your baby's gut with skin to skin and breastfeeding and, you know, supplementation if necessary. But when you are experiencing those really strong emotions, it can feel like a very dark place. And I'm, I'm so glad you had your sister that you could talk to about it. And that's something that I want to make sure that we do address. We do address these feelings in these tough, you know, states so that people feel less alone and they know like, here are some things that you can do as you are navigating this tough time. Yeah. It's easy to play the comparison game. Like, look, there were women that went into that hospital that they, that didn't come home with a child. I shouldn't be upset about any of this. I should be nothing but overjoyed, but guess what? I was upset. And I think it's really important not to discount your feelings around this sort of thing. Like you can't just discount them and say, well, I shouldn't be feeling like this because you are. And I think it's really important to meet yourself where you are and acknowledge it and then process it. And it doesn't mean you can't have compassion and it doesn't mean that you have to play the comparison game. But you know, your own feelings around some of these things are just as valid. Yeah, absolutely. And as I do this work more and more, I just, I learned so much about, you know, from hearing other people's experiences, like the saying like, well, at least your baby's healthy. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But also what about mom and how's mom feeling and how is her experience? And, and we're kind of forgetting half of the story, a very important part of the story when we say things like that, or even the saying itself, like, well, at least your baby's healthy. Well, you know what? There are some babies that aren't doing so well, but that you know, the mom still is so proud to have a baby and she will do anything that she can to make sure that her baby is, you know, happy in that state. So I think we just really have to be careful about language when we're talking to other moms and, you know, just giving so much grace to ourselves as much as we can in that moment. Yes. This is where the, you know, empathy comes in so handy, you know, when you're listening and it's obvious, like I just needed to like get some of this stuff off my chest because as I'm saying it out loud, I'm also thinking to myself, yes, this part was hard, but man, like I'm so grateful that we had the staff on hand and I'm so grateful for modern medicine. And I'm so grateful that my son is happy and healthy. And like, sometimes you just need to say it out loud as a means to start to process. And if you're listening, if you're in a community or you're another mom or a spouse or a friend or a coworker listening, you know, the best thing you can say is like, wow, that, you know, that sounds really hard. It sounds like it was a really difficult time for you. It sounds, yeah, I can hear that you are really sad about that. Like just the empathy, instead of trying to brush those feelings aside, is what we really need in that moment. Yep. Yep. And if you don't have the words, just say, you know, I'm here for you. And and really just looking at them and think eye contact can be so huge. There are some times where I'll bring a mom a new meal and I'll look at her and I'll look in her eyes and I'll be like, how are you doing? And that's all I need to say. And sometimes that eye contact, she just starts crying and she's like, wow, I don't know what happened here. So really being present for those around us instead of just running to the baby right away when you see a new mom can can do wonders. I know that's really true. Everyone's so focused on the baby. Everyone as we're so focused on the baby and like who's paying attention to mom. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're paying yes. attention to mom. <laughs> we are. That's very true. Oh, wow. So... I don't want to switch gears because this is such great information, but there's so many questions that we want to get into. So let's talk about Whole30 during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So did you do a pregnant Whole30 or breastfeeding Whole30 and what was your experience? I never did a pregnant Whole30. I wasn't really doing a lot of Whole30s at that point. Like I was pretty well in control of my food freedom and I never felt like I needed to kind of rein it in. Um, I felt like everything was under control. I'd never craved sweets during my pregnancy. I was like craving sour. I was making giant salads and putting straight vinegar on them. So I think that helped. I never Mm -hmm. felt like I had unhealthy habits to rein in. But part of my recovery, especially, I think it was right around that four month mark where I was really feeling that postpartum depression was doing a breastfeeding Whole30. And I did it in part because I felt like I needed to do something that was, I'm going to say just for me, I understand the benefits that that had for my child, but like that was something I could do just for me. I couldn't control my sleep. I was at my child's beck and call. You know, I, I I couldn't control other factors in my life, but I felt like I could take control of my food and that would have felt good. I also wanted to know what it was like to do a breastfeeding Whole30. We've been talking about it with other moms in the community and I thought I need to put my money where my mouth is and see if I can do a Whole30 and maintain my milk supply because I was exclusively nursing and pumping. Like, what is this like? And you know, what 
kind of tweaks do I need to make? Is this, was this effective for me? Did I enjoy the experience? So I did a full Whole30 by the books at around the four-month mark. Okay. And did you have any issues with milk supply? Did you notice any improvements in, in your baby? I actually noticed an improvement in milk supply, but it took a little while to get there. I had to kind of figure out how to adjust my meal sizes and my macronutrient ratios. I did add some, uh, what's the really popular supplement? Like fenugreek? Fenugreek. I did add a fenugreek supplement and that actually helped a lot during my Whole30. And I kind of kept up with taking that supplement throughout my breastfeeding because like I said, I was trying to nurse and pump and make sure that I had a good stash when he was kind of weaning and transitioning and when we were traveling. But I did notice an increase in milk supply. I felt much better. My baby was sleeping really, really well. My energy was better. So it you know, did everything that a typical Whole30 would do. But at that point, when I was so underslept and stressed and undernourished, it felt like it was magic. I really, really enjoyed the experience. Yeah. And how, how different was it compared to what you were eating before? The only thing I had to really give up, like I was doing a no added sugar banana bread pretty frequently because it was really calorie dense. It was like eggs and almond milk and butter and almond butter. And it was really, really calorie dense and it was easy to eat on the go. So I was doing a bunch of that. So I kind of had to give that up. I was getting like some sugar in my chicken sausage. I had to give up. I just had to buy like different brands, um, sugar in my deli meat. I had to give up. I was probably, this was a long time ago, but I was probably still eating some like hot buttered popcorn, you know, watching TV at night or something. So there were a couple of small things, but it wasn't a huge transition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's great that you talk about having to adjust your macronutrients and your, your calories. Cause I think that's one of the big things that we see with breastfeeding whole 30 is if there is a concern about milk supply, it's almost always something going on. If it is related to nutrition, which that's a whole nother story it could be uh-huh. a wide variety of things, but if it yes. is related to nutrition, it's usually that, you know, maybe mom's not eating enough calories because whole foods are way more satiating. And so like you mentioned, having to make sure that you maybe added in a fourth meal or making sure that you're having enough of the starchy vegetables and fruit or healthy fats at your meals can make all the difference. So we have a ton of resources about that on our website. Yeah. There was a lot of like eat while I'm nursing. I was nursing him a lot and there was a lot of like, you know, oh, I'm just going to grab this and I'm going to grab that. And it made me feel like I ate, but like a D, you know, an Epic bar is like 200 calories. Mm -hmm. That's not, it's not actually a meal, you know, Mm -hmm. but I was like, oh, I had an Epic bar. So and an apple. So I'm fine. But like, that's barely a snack, Never mind enough to sustain me and the baby I was nursing. So, you know, I think the whole 30 really helped me understand like, oh, wow, you need to do a lot more planning and prep and have these foods like on hand in the fridge, totally ready to go. Um, and that helped a lot. Yes. Yes. So now as a busy mom, what are some of your strategies for keeping healthy food on the table? You're working, you're traveling, you have, you know, your son, what do you do? Let's hear your tricks. Well, the first thing I'll say is I have a ton of privilege in this area. So mm-hmm. I, and I always want to acknowledge that I work from home so I can meal prep during the day anytime I want. I have a full-time nanny who takes care of my son during the day. And occasionally if my son is in like preschool or camp or something like that, she's helping me out with things like grocery shopping. So I have a lot of privilege here. So let's just make that really, really clear. But I make food prep a huge priority for me. So, you know, at night after he goes to bed, I'm not watching TV or scrolling through my phone. I'm like getting my meals ready for the next day. And I put on some music or I'll throw a show on in the background. And, you know, it's fun. Like I I actually enjoy the process of prepping healthy food, but I kind of have this like routine down to a science. You know, I make his lunch every day between 3 and 3.30 p.m. when I really need like a work break. And that's kind of some downtime. I go through a rotation of kind of the same meals every single week. So I always have like ground beef and mixed veggies cooked and in my fridge ready to go at all times. I always have some pre-roasted shredded chicken in the fridge and ready to go. So having emergency food on hand is really handy. And then, you know, he grew up eating Whole30. He's, I'm not going to say he's never had stuff that isn't Whole30, but like, I'm pretty sure the kids never had a piece of pizza or sandwich or... He didn't even have a piece of birthday cake until he was like four and a half. So I recognize that this is not typical, but because we got him started on this really, really early, you know, he eats what I eat. He eats the tops off of all my sushi and he loves salmon and he loves seaweed snacks and kale chips. And, you know, that definitely makes it easier. So that's another area where I have privilege is that I was introduced to this 
kind of Whole30 style of eating well before I had my son. So he was indoctrinated into it. And it's not like I had to switch him over from a standard American diet to healthy food, which is way harder. Yeah, I totally agree. I have that privilege too with um, Otto and Leo. They just grew up eating that. And that's why, you know, sometimes I post pictures and people are like, how does your kid eat this? It's just, that's what they know. And that's another reason why we're bringing some other moms onto our blog and podcast to talk about how they kind of transition their kids from you know, eating sandwiches and pizza and chicken tenders and fries to more Whole30 or more real food-based diet. Because I, I think they have so many different tricks that I wouldn't know because you know, they just grew up like that. So thank you for sharing that and for being very honest. Yeah. I always joke that like, I don't have a lot of street cred when it comes to changing your kids over to a whole 30 style diet, because I've never had to do it. And if there's one thing I've learned in motherhood, it is not to give parenting advice where you don't have actual experience. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So one of the things that, I mean, you inspire me in so many different ways and I just look up to you every single way. But um you prioritize self-care like nobody else I've I've seen. You have healthy boundaries with your work and family. You know when you need to put the brakes on life for a little bit and recharge like you just mentioned with your workout and what you're doing right now. So, was it always this way for you? Did you always know how to take care of yourself so well and prioritize self-care or when did you know that you had to start setting limits, you know, as it applies to motherhood and parenting? So no, it was certainly not always like this. Um, I've never been, I'm not an obliger. I've never been a people pleaser. So that's one thing I have going for me is that, you know, if I really didn't want to do something, it was always pretty easy for me to be like, no, I, you know what, I'm just not going to do this right now. But when I first started my business, like any entrepreneur, you felt like you were a slave to your new business. I was working nonstop around the clock. If an email came in at 10 PM, I had to answer it. I was getting up. And the first thing I was doing was checking my phone and checking email and answering requests and like letting the day run me instead of me running the day. And I started to get better about that when I took Whole30 kind of full-time back in 2010, 2011. But it wasn't until my baby's father and I split when he was about one year old that I absolutely got serious about prioritizing self-care. Not only was I trying to run this business and figure out how to single mom for the very first time, but I was also going through a very public divorce and business split. And it was the most stressful time of my life. And I realized that if I didn't figure out how to set some boundaries and make sure I prioritized myself, that not only was I not going to survive, but I wasn't going to be any good to anyone else, not my son, not my friends and family, and certainly not my Whole30 community. So you know, probably about four years ago is when I started getting really good about paying myself first. And what does that look like? What are some of the ways? I know one of the things that I appreciate is your morning routine. Like no matter what, you like take care of yourself. You know that going to the gym and having your decaf and having your dance party really sets the stage for the day. And I know you talked about not being on the phone when you're with your son, you know, you have your work time, then you have your family time. So what are some of the other ways that you set those boundaries? Yep. The morning routine is really huge. That's like a non-negotiable part of my day. I do try to separate work, especially because I work from home. I do try to separate work from family. So I'm home with my son. I'm home with my son. I'm not also like answering email kind of half-mindedly while I'm playing with him. So those are two very important ways. I think I'm just a lot more conscientious about the opportunities that I say yes to. And I'm I'm fortunate that I'm in a position now where I can say no to stuff and feel like my business is still stable. I'm not in a position where I have to say yes to every potential opportunity because like I really need it to keep the lights on. So that's another, you know, I'm lucky that I can say no. But at this point, you know, I'm really conscientious of, for example, last weekend we had our coaching summit and I knew exactly what that was going to entail in terms of how much like energetically and emotionally I would have to be on and available. And so from 6 a.m. until 10 p.m., three days in a row, I was there and I was present and I was focused and I was open and I was receiving. And because I knew that that was coming and I really wanted to be able to show up for every single one of my coaches, every second of every day, I made sure that I had a buffer plan for after. And I took the two days off after the summit and I hiked and I didn't answer email and I wasn't on social media much. And I spent it with like friends, people that I cared about. And I got outside into church 
So thinking ahead and, and kind of making some plans around what are going to be stressful times is another really big way that I self-care. I also make no apologies for taking a day off social media entirely. Like there are no Instagram related emergencies and I probably miss some good stuff. And maybe there's a little bit of like, oh, you know, I could have participated in this conversation, but like, if I need a day off, I need a day off. And if I do it, it's because I'm taking care of me. And it means that I can come back more rested and better able to serve. And I think that's the way I think about it. And that's how it's so easy to be able to say no and say like, I need to take care of myself first is because my job, my role here is to serve. And unless I'm completely full and, you know, emotionally fulfilled and spiritually fulfilled and grounded, I can't serve. And that's my only job around here. So I think that makes it a lot easier to create some self-care boundaries and stick to them. Oh, so beautifully said. You know, one thing that I've been experiencing, and I would love to hear if this resonates with you, but kind of like when you do a Whole30 and you do that reset and your body starts feeling really good and you reintroduce something that doesn't work so well with your body, you feel it immediately, right? Like it, it can be presented in many different ways, but you feel it. And that's kind of my experience with taking care of yourself is once you have set those boundaries in place and you are engaging in self-care and taking care of your body, mind, and spirit, you can tell once you're starting to get off the radar. Like you knew that this coach's summit was going to be a big deal, but let's say you didn't know and a bunch of things just kind of loaded on your plate with work. You can feel that way more than if you're just completely depleted going into it. Completely. And I actually underestimated how draining the coaching summit would be. Like I'm, I'm very much an introvert. So after all of that, like extroverting, I, I actually underestimated how much like quiet and alone time I would need. And I think it was like maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday night said to my partner, like I'm two seconds away from like being broken. And he was like, okay, all right, cool. Okay. What do we need to do? And I was like, I need to not go to the gym tomorrow morning. I need to stay home and talk to zero persons for, you know, at least like 12 hours. I need to take a little bit of the afternoon off and spend it with my kid. And it was like, okay, cool. That's what I need to do. But you're right. I recognized it right away and was like, okay, immediate action needs to be taken to get me back to a place where I feel like I'm on like solid footing again. And I think it's great that you were able to identify those three things right away. Because I think it can be sometimes hard for parents who haven't prioritized self-care to know what makes them feel good and know what makes them re-energize again. So, you know, if there's one takeaway, I would encourage you to understand what, what is that for you? And it's going to look very different for other people, but maybe identify two or three things that once you start feeling that drain, or if you know you're going into a busy season, you can pull these things out and have them at your disposal to help build you again. Yes. And I think it can also vary just from day to day. Yeah. So like that day, what I needed to feel restored was to spend extra time with my son. On other days, I'm like, you know what? I need to stick you in front of Blue Planet for an hour (laughs) with like a bag of sea snacks so that I can get some dishes done and like clean my kitchen and feel like my home is in a good place. So I think even just taking from moment to moment, thinking about, okay, like what, what do I need? And you can't always get what you want, right? Like I can't always get two hours uninterrupted at the gym or whatever, but finding ways to kind of satisfy whether it's more connection or less connection and some alone time or something that's grounding or something that's energizing, knowing yourself well and giving yourself just that moment to ask yourself, like, what do I actually need right now can go a really long way. Yes. I love it so much. All right, Melissa, I could talk to you all day. This is such <laughs> like great information, but I'm going to keep it to an hour like we promised in the beginning. So let's finish up with this final question. So knowing what you know now, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice to help you navigate the journey to motherhood, what would it be? It would just be trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Just trust yourself, Melissa. You are a strong, capable, confident woman. and you know yourself and you know this baby better than anyone in the whole wide world. Just like trust that, trust that connection, right? Trust your instincts, trust your gut, trust what your head is telling you, trust what your heart is telling you, like trust that you know what you both need in this moment. I think that's like one major piece of advice, but if I could offer some backup advice that goes along with it, it's also you don't have to do it all by yourself. There is no 
I mean, I don't even want to say there's no shame in asking for help. It is braver to ask for help than it is to like pretend to be strong and figure out like that you have it all figured out. So I I would encourage myself to trust myself more, but also be a lot more open to connecting when I felt like I needed that support. Ah, I love it so much. I've been nodding this entire interview. (laughs) (laughs) You have so many great points and pieces of advice. And thank you so much for opening up and sharing your story um, in such a vulnerable way. I really appreciate that. And I know your story is going to land and and really sit with a lot of women who have experienced those things or are experiencing them now. So thank you so much. I hope that it does. If it helps just one woman feel like she's not a total outlier or there's something wrong with her for feeling the way that she's feeling, then I'm more than happy to share. Wonderful. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today before we close out? Only that I am just so incredibly excited at what we are building over at Whole Mamas. I think with my whole heart that this is going to be like the new direction of motherhood and parenting discussions, not just motherhood, but parenting in general Mm -hmm. for partners and spouses and grandparents and siblings. Like this really is going to bring the whole family dynamic into this big picture discussion of motherhood and parenting in a way that I don't think anyone else has done yet. And I'm really excited to be on the forefront of it with you. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure. It's really a dream come true to be able to offer this and to share experts and listeners' stories because it's important information that needs to get out there. So thank you so much for your time, Melissa. My pleasure. Always nice talking to you, Steph. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know I sure did. Melissa has such a great, powerful message to share, sharing her vulnerabilities and things that she did on her journey to support her as a mom. I learned a lot and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd really appreciate your help. You can share our podcast with your community. You can write an iTunes review and you can let us know what you loved about this episode so we can continue bringing on guests and chatting about topics you love. You can also visit our website, wholemamasclub.com, to review show notes, find past episodes, and submit comments and questions for future shows. Please remember that the views on this podcast are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family. 